Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 1. Well, we have another year in the books and another year right on the horizon as we now approach this brand new year. We also have to take a look at the last couple years and see what we can learn, see what we can discern, see what's good, see what's bad, and see what could be different. And with it, we understand that the best way to learn about man, the best way to learn about people, is not by studying people. The best way to learn about man, the best way to learn about mankind, about people, is to study God's Word from the one who created man and knows everything about man. And God is able to tell us more about ourselves than we could ever learn from psychologists, psychiatrists, witch doctors, from people who just study people, sociologists. We learn more about man by studying what God said about man. And with it, I want to introduce and walk you with a study that has been fascinating in my own personal walk. Every year, I try to take some time to study the Bible in a different way. I've, the Lord's allowed me the privilege of reading through the Bible over 50 times from cover to cover. That's not counting schoolwork or sermon prep or anything, just my own personal Bible reading. And so like anyone else who's been familiar with the Bible, that you have to do certain things to make sure that you don't get to the place where my eyes touch every word of the page and you get to check out and say, I know this story and your mind thinks about the story rather than reading the text. And so every year I try to do something that I look for in the text. And the last two years I've been taking the the theme of emotions, something I'd never studied before. In fact, if you asked me about three years ago, what do you think about emotions? Well, it's something we have and it's something women have in abundance, but you know, not that big of a deal. But in the last couple of years, as putting an emphasis in studying the Bible, I went and searched for emotions. I started in Genesis 1-1 and began to write down any time an emotion was used. For example, the very first emotion used in the Word of God is the word ashamed. And it's right before the fall of man saying that at that time they were not ashamed as opposed that when Adam and Eve sinned, they became ashamed because of sin. And so as I went through and began to write down the emotions, whether it was glad, sad, happy, joy, rejoice, whether it was something that dealt with emotional like cried, hugged, kissed. I'd write it down and have uh, just a document that was ongoing that I would list it down and just with a purpose of trying to learn more about emotion, something I've never studied before. Remember the theme that we had for this year was the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so just as an encouragement to me, my goal was to find all the words about rejoicing and joy. But in this study, 
I was surprised to learn something I had not known before about man. Now, when I explain it out loud and talk about it, it's one of those things where I felt like I should have known and puts together and it makes sense. But I learned something and I would like to take this study and sum it up in such a way that I think it might be a help to you by focusing on one specific emotion that stands out far above the rest of them in the Word of God. So if you don't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and look with me in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 1. The book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 1 and notice with me in verse number 7. The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 7. Notice what the Word of God has to say. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 7? The book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 7, the phrase, the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. And with the Lord's help, I would like to speak to you about this spirit of fear. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you so much for the privilege it is to open up your word tonight and try to be a help and try to be an encouragement. And at this time, I'm very conscious that every sermon must have two births. It must be born. It must be alive in the study. But then it has to be live again in the preaching. And whereas the study was alive, Lord, it will do these folks no good if your presence, if your breath, if your spirit is not in this message here. My desire is to be a help. I know that we could trust your word. I'm asking that you would put things in order, that you would help it to make sense, that you would put it, help us to learn more about ourselves and also learn more about what you have to say concerning this subject of fear. I'm asking that you would help us even now to learn more about you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we start this thing out, there's several things I want to bring to your attention. The first thing is this idea of the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. Now the emotion in the study that I was telling you about as I was listing down emotions and I have over 300 and close to 350 pages where it's not commentary. It's just the emotion and then the verse, the entire verse written out and just putting it together over 350 pages. That's quite a bit. And in it, I'm able to study and able to see which emotions are used more frequently than the others. What emotions are not very suddenly said? Which emotions is there great emphasis? Which books of the Bible put an emphasis on certain emotion? And again, far and above any other emotions, far above anything else ever mentioned, is this idea of fear. This idea of fear. And as you study that, you think about that, we understand we are a fear-driven people. 
That fear dominates our lives. It influences our decisions that we make. That many things that we do in our life is a response to fear. Now as we pause here and we look at the last two years. If you were to put a moniker over the the theme, the spirit over the last two years. Without a doubt it would be the spirit of fear. That people are afraid. And they're afraid because they're told to be afraid. They're afraid because that's who we are. We're fearful people. No wonder Satan and the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and those, those powers are able to understand that we are fearful creatures and put emphasis on fear to make us more afraid. And that's what we've seen in the last couple of years. And so with this study, I would like to show a little bit about the spirit of fear. But I'd also like to show there are solutions to it. That we don't have to be controlled by fear. Now when we look past our circumstances, we see the God of the circumstances. We see that there's a God who's in control. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse 7, notice this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now that's encouraging that God has not made us so we have to be a fearful people all the time. We know fear comes because of our fallen nature that we're a fearful people and it's because of the absence of depending on the Lord. But it is a result of our fallen nature, it is a result of our sinful nature that we're now fearful people. But it is encouraging to know that's not how God intended Or intends us to live. God has not intended us to live under the spirit of fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear. But notice what he has given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That has the idea of the spirit of power. You know what God has given us? He has given us power. Now we know the power doesn't come from us. The power comes from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. That God is the power that we can depend upon. And he's given it to us. Full, free, and forever. He's provided for us. That we don't have to be a fearful people because God's power is available. We could pray. We could talk to our Heavenly Father. He's the one sitting on the throne. He's in charge of everything. We could trust in him. Notice this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Do you know that we have the love of Christ? Jesus Christ loved us so much that he died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible talks about love, that love drives out everything else. When we realize that we have a God who loves us so much and he doesn't want to harm us. He, doesn't, he wants to bring glory to his name. That gives us comfort that he's not doing this to hurt us. That's comforting that God doesn't want to hurt us. But notice this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That word sound carries the idea of healthy. And truly we can look at the last two years and we can almost put people in two camps. The spirit of fear and a sound mind. Of a healthy mind. Now, 
I'd hate that we have to put that together. But clearly we have people who are living in fear and are fear dominated over the last two years and are fearful so many things. And then we have some people who are still able to think healthily and not reacting because of fear, but able to process information intellectually, understanding with wisdom. Now, it's almost two things of thought. Which one did God give us? He did not give us the spirit of fear, but instead he has given us of a sound mind. We can have a healthy mind. Now, we're going to turn to lots of scriptures now. And again, if if the emotion that's most used in the Bible is fear, there's a lot of verses to draw from. We are not going to look at all the hundreds of passages but we're going to look at some to try to get an emphasis and see what the Bible has to say. Now, with this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But we do understand that we in our sinful nature are fearful people to start off with. Think of how many decisions are made even in your own life because of fear. It could be because of fear of others. Let's turn to a couple passages to illustrate this, that there's a fear of others. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 15. We're going to turn to a lot of scripture and I hope that I don't lose you. I hope that you stay with me because I want to help tonight because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but instead he has given us the opportunity to have power, love, and a sound mind. So let's see what the Bible has to say. Now again, I'm talking about the spirit of fear, and we know that some people, even us, that we make decisions because of fear. Sometimes it's because of the fear of others. First Samuel chapter number 15, notice with me verse 24. Now again, Saul got caught. Saul did something that he didn't do correctly, and so he's casting the blame. But notice what he uses as part of the blame. 1 Samuel 15, verse number 24. 1 Samuel 15, 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Notice this, pause this. He says, I disobeyed God's word. Let me tell you why I disobeyed God's word. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Why? Because I feared the people. He said, let me tell you why I disobeyed God's word. Let me tell you why I did not do what I was supposed to. I feared the people. Well, how many times is fear a decision we make? You said, it's not of me. Oh yeah? Why didn't you pass out that track to that person? Why didn't you invite that person to church? Why didn't you ask them how you could pray for them? Why didn't you go up to them and approach them and say, God loves you? Well, is it because of fear? Is it because that may be a dominating thing? That we have a fear of others? And the fear of what they may say. The fear of not being accepted by them. The fear of looking different in front. In fact, one of the common fears that we have in soul winning is that we're not afraid they're going to reject the Lord. We're afraid they're going to reject us. And so that becomes a factor in our decision is we fear people. Notice with me in John chapter 9 with the same idea. Now I'm trying to limit them to about two or three verses on each one, but I could go on. Again, I'm just talking about the spirit of fear right now. That in John chapter 9, we could see what Jesus has to say. 
And in John chapter 9, he's trying to correct the Pharisees. And he makes an observation. He, he gives this thing here about why the, the Pharisees act the way that they do. Notice with me in John chapter 9 verse 22. John chapter 9 verse 22. These words spake his parables. Why? Or sorry. These words spake his parents. So speaking about um, the uh, man who was, who was uh, healed had Jesus sight. The Pharisees brought in the uh, parents of the guy and started to interview them. These words spake his parents. Why? Because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man confessed that he was Christ, he should be kicked out of the synagogue. So here is um, parents here of a man who was healed. He had been blind all of his life. And now he could see. Isn't that a great miracle? And his parents were brought in and said, what happened? And they were afraid to say Jesus healed him. Because they were afraid they would get kicked out of their synagogue if they admitted it. And so they responded in such a way because of the fear of the people. Rather than admitting that God sent his son, the Messiah, to heal my son. That would have been a bold statement. But they could not because they were responding out of fear. Now again, I'm just saying this is common of all men. This is one of the spirit of fears that we have is the fear of others. What other spirit of fears do we have? We have the fear of not having. Sometimes people respond because they're afraid they don't have enough or they're not going to get something, something they feel like they need. Look with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter 12. The gospel record of Luke chapter 12. As Jesus is giving this instructions, notice what Jesus says to these folks. Now, this is an important passage. We'll make a different reference to it later. But the fear of not having something is a dominating thing. Notice with me in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and notice with me verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what you put on. Life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do the thing which is least... Why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon all of his glory was not arrayed as like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For the, all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth what ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock. 
For it is of your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now in this passage, Jesus has taken his disciples and say, Boys, you don't need to worry about fear about what you're going to eat. Where you're going to get your meal. Don't worry about the clothes or everything. By the way, Jesus says, this is what everybody else is worrying about. This is a fear that they have. About what do I need? What do I have? What do I not have? This is a common fear that we have. And by the way, it is a fear that we have from time to time that we're afraid we're not going to get something. Think about people making financial decisions. Should I give to the Lord? Should I not give to the Lord? Well, I'm afraid to give to the Lord because am I not going to have enough? That's a fear that they have. I have the opportunity to give to a missionary. Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to get my McDonald's cheeseburger. So, you know, and people respond out of fear because they're afraid they're not going to have. Now, again, it may not be a fear where they're stuck in a corner and just saying trembling, but it is because of fear that we make decisions. Sometimes it's we're afraid of what others are going to say. Sometimes we're afraid that we're not going to have something or we're going to miss out on something or we're going to lack something in a possession. And we react because of that. Perhaps sometimes there's a fear of the wicked being in charge. You say, well, some of these others affected them. Oh, well, let's hit where we're at. Sometimes people are afraid of the wicked being in charge. And that's all they can think about. They're afraid of this president, this person being in charge, this wicked pe- person working in the background and manipulating and stuff. Hey, it could be true, but it's not something that we should be afraid of. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to Psalm 37. Now, Psalm 37, the entire psalm deals with this subject. I just want to hit a couple verses throughout this psalm to illustrate that this is a fear that people have. Oh no, the wicked are in charge. What are we going to do? Again... We have people who are afraid in the last couple years of a virus and the consequences of the virus. Then we have people over here who are afraid of the wicked being in charge and afraid of manipulations, afraid of people in charge, conspiracies and whatnot. And they are so focused and afraid and responding to this fear. Like I said, the last couple years has been the spirit of fear. Whatever direction you're at, it has been the spirit of fear. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and let's just hit a couple verses. This whole psalm speaks about this. Verse, psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself... Because of evildoers. Well, that's a good verse. We need to post that somewhere. <laughs> Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as a green herb. Why should we not worry about them? Because God's still in charge. It does not matter who, president, who the president is, who the king is, who the emperor is. God's still in charge. And God's going to take care of them. We'll let God do his own business. We don't have to worry about things that we don't have any control over. We're just supposed to be obedient. <laughs> Let's go on. Verse number 9. It says, For evildoers shall be soon cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. 
Yea, they that uh, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plot against the just, and gnashes upon them with his teeth. And the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, and to slay such as be of an upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bow bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken. But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Once again, we're seeing God has to tell him, don't be afraid of the wicked. Why? Because people are afraid of the wicked. Oh no, the wrong person's in charge. The whole world's going to fall. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And God says, don't worry about it. I'm still in charge. I've got things taken care of. Don't worry about those things. God is in charge. Notice in verse number 35. Again, the whole psalm deals with it. I'm just hitting some highlights of this. Psalm 37 verse 35. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. If you ever wondered if green bay was in the Bible, there you go. And yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. And so here God is saying, listen, you can fret over the wicked man being in charge, but let me tell you, the one who's looking to God, he shall be of peace. That's the different than the spirit of fear. But God has to say, don't worry, don't fret, don't worry about those wicked ones who are in charge. God is in control. Now again, think of other things. We could go on and on talking about the spirit of fear. And the thing, people are afraid of health reasons. I'm afraid this is going to kill me. I'm afraid this is not going to kill me. I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. I'm not going to jump up. You know, we've all watched people getting on a zip line and the zip line's safe. Hundreds of people have gone before them. And then the person freezes and I'm going to die. Well, why did you climb up the ladder in the first place? You know, and they, they're overwhelmed with a fear. And so there's a fear of bodily harm. There's a fear of losing. There's a fear of, of not succeeding, a fear of failing. A fear. Again, how much are we controlled day-to-day -day actions based off of fear? But let me encourage you, dear friend. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Which brings me to a second thing here. You said second thing. Oh yeah, I've got pages left. Not only does not given us, God has not given us the spirit of fear, and we describe the spirit of fear, but one thing that he has said, fear not. Fear not. Now, because God knows that fear can dominate our life over and over and over in the Bible, we have the command to fear not. In fact, someone calculated that there inside of the word of God, there is about 366 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day of the year, by the way. Why? So that way every day you can be told, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? Because fear is something that dominates our life. That God actually has to command us not to be afraid because being afraid is our natural default action as fallen man. 
Now again, I want to remind you, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But instead has commanded us to fear not. Now interesting enough, as doing this study of the fear of the Lord, I had so many passages that dealt with fear... In order to keep them all straight, I ended up having to classify them into three different categories. The category about afraid, being afraid, being fearful, all this stuff, one category. Another category was all the times that God said, be not afraid, fear not. I had to put them in another category and it's still bigger than most of the rest. But I had to categorize another section of fear and this was the fear of the Lord. Which is the third thing. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now with this, we want to come with a definition. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, you asked me three years ago, I would have given you a different definition. But studying the Bible and seeing how this goes, I would like to give a clarifying definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an emotional response that we have due to our knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is an emotional response that I have due to my knowledge of God. The more that I know God, more that I know Him personally, the more that I'm going to have an emotional attachment. Now that makes sense, right? For example, if you would say my wife's name, Leah, immediately I have an emotional attachment. Now, if you told me without context, hey, did you hear that Leah was in a horrible accident? I now have an emotional response because I'm now concerned. What happened to my wife? Now, if it was someone I didn't know, hey, um, Xander. I don't know a Xander, so Xander got hurt. Great, wonderful. Why doesn't it affect me so much? I mean, it's a real person. Well, because I don't have an intimate knowledge. I don't have an emotional connection. Does that make sense? Why can some people not care what God says? Because they don't have an emotional connection to him. Where do you get this emotional connection? By an intimate knowledge of whom he is. And because of that knowledge of who God is, I have an emotional connection that will display in fear in two ways. First of all, there's a fear that goes with a deep reverence. And that should go with it. The fear of the Lord does deal with the idea of a fear reverence. This carries the idea of a respect, an honor. That I have the idea because I respect God, because of who he is, I want to do my best for him. That comes with an intimate knowledge of him. The more I study him, the more holy that I see him. The more that I see him high, holy, and lifted up, the more that respect grows. But with it... It also includes a fear and trembling because of his power and because of his approval. You say, can you demonstrate that? Absolutely, I can. You remember when the children of Israel were brought to Mount Sinai? And for those of you who were part of that series of the uh, life and ministry of Moses, when he gave the ten, uh, the ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, he did not give them to Moses and Moses brought them down. If you remember in that passage, God is speaking out loud to the children of Israel. And at the end of giving the Ten Commandments, they are fear and trembling and said, Moses, you go talk to God. We can't stand it anymore. You go talk to God. Please go. That fear and trembling is the fear of the Lord. 
This is God. He's not JC. He's not my friend. We don't hang out. That is Almighty God who is so big and I am so small. He is all the power of the universe and he's my judge. There should be a fear and trembling before this mighty God to realize who he is compared to who I am. That is a fearful thing. So the idea of the fear of the Lord comes from an intimate knowledge of God, but will outpour into a deep reverential respect and a fear trembling because of who he is. Turn with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. May I show you this? Psalm 89, talking about the fear of the Lord. Now again, there's passage after passage after passage after passage of the fear of the Lord. I just want to show you some. Psalm 89 and verse 7. Psalm 89 and verse 7. Notice with me if you don't mind. Psalm 89 and verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong God like unto thee? Or to thy faithfulness round about thee. And verse number 7, this fear that's mentioned there is this fear and trembling. And then at the end of verse 7, it talks about the reverence of him. Both of those are part of the fear of God. The fear and trembling and the reverence. But again, where does it come from? An intimate knowledge of him. Over and over the Bible speaks about the fear of the Lord. Now because fear is a big part of life, the Lord has it. So how do we get rid of the lesser fears? By looking at him. And as we look at him and have a fear of him, all the lesser fears go away. Because of our knowledge of him. Let's give an example we gave earlier. I'm afraid to go witness to someone. Because I'm afraid what they're going to say about me. Well when I look up to God. And see that he's a big God who loves me. And cares for me. And that he's the ruler of the universe. That bigger fear. Erases that lesser fear. And now I could go talk to someone. About who Jesus Christ is. He makes all of those lesser fears go away. We talked about the fear of not having. I can't give to the church. Because I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. But when I look at him. And see that he's a God in charge. That he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And the taters underneath the hills. He owns everything. And he cares for me. Then though those lesser fears go away. And I could step out because I know him. I trust him. I respect him. I fear him. I want to please him. All those lesser fears go away. Notice if you don't mind a couple passages. Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter 10. Now again, I'm just trying to do two or three for each one of these. There's no way I could show you all of them unless you want to take a year. And I'll be glad to take some time to show you. But I want to encourage you dealing with what the Bible has to say of the spirit of fear. Notice with me if you don't mind in Matthew chapter 10 verse number 28. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28. Jesus is speaking. Notice what he says. Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body. Now let's pause there. That's a pretty frightening thing, right? Someone who could kill me, I, shouldn't I be afraid of them? Well, it's a lesser fear. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Hey, someone could kill me, but they can't do anything with my soul. 
but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Which is the stronger fear? God, he controls my soul. Someone just kills me, but they don't determine whether I go to heaven or hell. God is the one that I should fear. And so, isn't someone taking my life? Isn't that a pretty big fear? But compared to God, it becomes a lesser fear. That when I have a fear of the Lord and I look at him, those lesser fears go away. They diminish. They're not as big if I'm looking up to him. This is why the fear of God is so important. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of of knowledge. In fact, let's turn to one of those passages. Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And again, all I'm trying to do is trying to be an encouragement to you from how God's been speaking to me and studying with me in the last couple years of my own personal Bible reading and trying to put something together that would be an encouragement to you about what the Lord's been teaching. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Proverbs um, 23 and verse 17. Proverbs 23 and verse 17. Let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. So it's here it's dealing with the idea that don't be jealous, don't be afraid, don't get to the place where you're looking at sinners and seeing what they have, but be in the fear of the Lord and those other fears drop away. So let's be practical now. The last thing I want to spend time on and where I want to be help is what to do when the spirit of fear comes. What do we do? Obviously, I'm not telling you that you're never going to have fear again. I can't tell you that. What I can do is, what do you do when the spirit of fear comes? When you have a spirit of fear that enters your life, what can you do about it? Well, let's see some things. First of all, what to do when the spirit of God, uh, when the spirit of fear comes? First of all, trust God. Trust God. Psalm 56, if you don't mind. Psalm 56. We've still got several, a lot of passages to go. Be patient with me. Thank you. I want you to see these for yourself. Psalm 56, verse number 3. Psalm 56, verse number 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. What's the first thing we're supposed to do when the spirit of fear comes? Trust in him. We used to live in Tornado Alley and my daughter used to be very good at imitating the tornado siren because we heard it so often. I mean, she can mimic it pretty good. And so there were times that the tornadoes would come and we would hide where we're supposed to and we would take a mattress and kind of put it around us in the little hallway where we're at. And it's the wind would start wrapping uh, whipping around and it, and it sounded like a train and you could hear the storm crackling outside. My wife would be leading the kids. Let's say our verse. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What is she teaching them? That in a tornado, in Tornado Alley, that's a big deal by the way. And you know that it's coming your way. What's time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. What is she teaching them? That in a time of the spirit of fear... By the way, we're not saying it's not a legitimate fear. A tornado is a legitimate fear. But when you look at God, those lesser fears fade away. Whatsoever time I'm afraid, 
I will trust in thee. Look with me again. Psalm 112. Psalm 112 verse 7. Psalm 112 verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. Once again, we trust God. And as we look up to Him, those lesser fears fade away. I'm choosing to look at Him. I'm trusting in Him. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Sorry, lots of passages. Lots of material to choose from. But I'm trying to be a help. Mark chapter 4. If you are familiar with Mark chapter 4, we have where the um, <coughs> disciples were passing over uh, the Sea of Galilee and they got caught in a storm. And you know the story that Jesus was sleeping and they were afraid the storm was going to knock them off. By the way, these are professional fishermen who fished on this all the time and they're afraid the storm's going to knock them off. It had to be a bad storm. And they go wake up Jesus. Jesus says, peace be still. But notice what Jesus tells his disciples during this time. Mark 4 verse 40. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? That was his question to them. Why are you so afraid? You know what that implies? They didn't have to be afraid. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? If you're looking for a good definition of fear of other things, fear is the absence of faith. You're either looking at God or you're looking at something else. And when you're looking at that storm dead on, it's a big storm. But when you look at God, that storm is a small thing in his hands. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? You didn't have to be. How is it that you have no faith? The Bible's admonition not to be afraid, it implies to have faith in God. Notice if you don't mind... Here's the second thing. So what do we do when the spirit of fear comes? First of all, trust God. Second thing, don't focus on the fear. Don't focus on the fear. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Don't focus on the fear. Philippians chapter number 4. Again, it's what we have our eyes on. What are you looking at? Philippians chapter 4. Notice with me, don't mind, in verse number 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful. That word careful carries the idea of anxious, worried. Be careful, anxious, worried for nothing. Absolutely nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. That means that you can have a peace of God even when it doesn't make sense. Hey, this storm is coming. Why aren't you afraid? Why do you have such a peace? Don't you know that everything's going wrong? I can have a peace of God when it doesn't make sense. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do... And the God of peace 
shall be with you. Verse number 7 talked about the peace of God. Verse number 9, it talked about the God of peace. What do we do? We don't focus on the fear. We look at God. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Mark 5, 36. Let's turn there. Again, we're putting the emphasis here. Don't focus on the fear. You could look at something else. Rather, look at someone else. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Mark 5, 36. Here is a ruler of the synagogue who comes up and... He tells Jesus to come heal his daughter. And on the way there, he says, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. But notice what Jesus said in Mark chapter 5 verse 36. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. It, when you have the spirit of fear come, put faith in him. Don't focus on the fear. John, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Again, lots of passages, but there's a lot of things to choose for. 1 John 4, 4. Here's that encouragement. Don't focus on fear. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't focus on the fear. Look up. Look up. Have faith in God. Don't focus on the fear. Look up to his God. Don't be afraid. What's something else that we can do to help battle the spirit of fear? Well, if you don't mind, uh, remember the future God promised his children. Remember the future that God promised his children. We're turning back from here. Let's hit Philippians on the way back. Philippians. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Remember that the future that God promised his children. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That he that hath begun a good work in you. Will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You may have something start happening to you. But remember God's not done with you yet. God's going to do a work. You could trust him. Remember that God has made promises to you. I think about the Apostle Paul. That he was in Lystra. And he got stoned to death. You remember? They rocked him to sleep. And then God sent him back. And said I'm not done with you yet. And after being broken bones and everything. He stands up. Walks back into town. And witnesses to them all. And then afterwards it was implied, the Apostle Paul implied, hey, you know what? I wasn't worried about death anymore because I know God's not going to take me home until he's done with me. He that's begun a good work. God has a plan for you and as long as you're trusting him and walking after him, God's not done with you yet. You could trust him that he knows what he's doing. He's begun a good work. Turn with me if you don't mind in Matthew chapter 6. Again, you guys have been very patient. And I appreciate it. I'm trying to be an encouragement. That's why there's so much scripture. I want to show you that it's not just one or two passages. It's throughout the word of God. Matthew chapter number 6. <coughs> we made reference to this passage before in a different uh, uh, gospel record. But notice it again. Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 31. Take no thought. 
saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after these do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here in this Jesus is implying here. God's going to take care of you. Don't worry about these lesser fears. God's going to take care of you. He promised. He knows what you need of even before you realize you need a need of it. God knows what he's doing. Remember that God has made promises to his children. What's another thing we do when the spirit of fear comes? Well, combat the temptation to fear. Combat the temptation of fear. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You can actually combat that temptation to fear. Meaning to give in to that fear. The fear is going to come. But what do you do when the fear comes? You can give in to it or not. Turn with me if you don't mind. Matthew, um, John chapter number 14. John chapter 14. Notice with me in verse 27. John 14 verse 27. Peace I leave with, with uh, you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Notice this. Neither let it be afraid. That's a pretty important statement. Neither let it be afraid. You know that when you get encountered with fear, you have a choice to allow it to overwhelm you or to combat it and say, no, you can't overwhelm me. I'm going to purposely look to God. I'm not going to give into it. Have you ever seen someone, maybe you've been into the place where that fear overwhelmed a person and they hit panic and they're no longer thinking. Well, before they give into that fear, there's a time where they could say, stow, no. By the way, that's a commandment. God says, don't let that fear have, don't let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. He says that again in chapter 14, verse 1 at the beginning. Let not your heart be troubled. Twice in this chapter, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't give in to the spirit of fear. Combat it. What's something else? We're trying to be practical. What else can we do to uh, fight this spirit of fear? Here's something. Find something to obey in God's word. Find something to obey in God's word. Why is this practical, by the way? Well, when the spirit of fear comes, I'm trusting in God. The proof that I'm trusting in him is to obey. Find something to obey. So as you're in the midst of that spirit of fear and it's starting to come, find something to obey. Notice the principles here. Turn with me to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Again, I hope that it's a help. I know it's a little bit longer, but this is necessary. I want to be a help. We live in a spirit of fear. We don't have to let it overwhelm us. Psalm 111. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111, verse 10. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, usually people put a period there. Great. The beginning of the Lord is the, fear, uh, the beginning of wisdom. But notice the verse goes on. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How do you know that you have a good understanding of this? They that do or obey his commandments. So what do we, how do we fight the spirit of fear? Well, find something to obey. There's plenty of things to obey even in the mist when fear comes. Maybe it's the idea that you're afraid, but God says I need to go witness to him. So I'm going to go witness to him. I'm afraid to give, but you know what? I'm going to give anyways to combat that. I'm trusting in God. I'm depending upon him. Find something to obey. Notice if you don't mind, we're right there. Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Notice with me in verse 1. Psalm 112 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That delighteth greatly in his commandments. So here it talks about the fear of the Lord. How do you know the man's fear in the Lord? Because he delights in his commandments. I want to obey God's commandments. I'm looking forward to obeying it. Here's you combat fear. You choose who you're going to obey. Do you obey that fear that comes or do you obey God? You make a choice. Who am I going to obey? One last thing practically. What do we do to combat the spirit of fear? We're not going to turn there, but you may write down Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. In that passage, the prophet Habakkuk makes a choice. He knows things are coming. And he says, you know what? If everything falls apart, the finances fall apart. The grape doesn't come from the vine. The work doesn't go up there. Everything falls apart. And verse number 17, he says, yet, yet. I will sing praises to God. He says, I'm making a determination that no matter how bad things get, I'm going to live in the yet. I'm going to sing praises to God. But where I want you to turn to is Isaiah chapter number 12. Isaiah chapter 12. And let's wrap it up on this verse. Isaiah chapter 12. What do we do when the spirit of fear comes? Sing praises to God. Living in the yet. Yet I will praise the Lord my God. Isaiah 12 and I want you to see one last verse. What do we do when the spirit of fear comes? There's some practical things we could do. But let's sum it up in this last verse. Psalm 12 or Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12 and verse number 2. A familiar verse to our church for this year. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and be not afraid. That's a choice. I will trust him and be not afraid. Why? For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and he also is become my salvation. I'm making a choice to sing praises to God. I'm making a choice that I'm not going to be afraid. I'm making a choice that I'm going to trust in him. Why? Because he's God. And Jehovah God, he is my strength. Jehovah God, he is my song. He is my salvation. He's going to deliver me. I can trust him. When the spirit of fear comes, you have to choose. What are you going to fear more? 
the spirit of fear around you, the circumstance, the thing that's in front of you? Or do you look beyond that and see the God above everything and say, that's what I'm going to look at. That's what I'm going to trust. That's what I'm going to fear. That's what I'm putting my attention on. And when you have a fear of the Lord, the lesser fears will fade away. They will diminish down. That God is overwhelming than all of them. We do not have to live in a spirit of fear. But instead, God has given us a power of love and of a sound mind. We don't have to be the chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. But we can be of a sound mind, a healthy thinking mind in the midst of any type of fear. It's what we choose to put our attention on. Let us not live in the spirit of fear, but let's look up to God who has become my strength, he has become my song, and has become my salvation. We can trust in him. Now, as we finish off the year with this message, you can make a determination this next year. I'm not going to be controlled by fear with the Lord's help. I know that I can look up to him. I could trust in him. The rest of the world can fall apart and it probably will. Who knows? But we don't have to be overwhelmed in it. We don't have to be suckered into it. We don't have to be at the place where we feel like we're going to die. It's going to crash. We're all... God is still on the throne. But you know, maybe it's not this world spirit of fear. Maybe there's spirit of fear within your own life. Maybe you are afraid of your health. Maybe you are afraid of others. Maybe you are afraid of not having. Maybe you are afraid of failing. Maybe you are afraid. How do you defeat those things? Put your attention on God. Trust in him. Look at him. The fear of the Lord will drown out all the lesser fears. Maybe you just need a decision tonight to say, Lord, when I come to these things, help me on purpose to do this and this and this. Lord, when I come to those fears, I'm making a decision right now that I'm not going to give in to the panic. I'm on purpose going to look at you. Maybe you know yourself. You know how that spirit of fear controls you, dominates you, influences you. You need to make a choice before you run into it. What are you going to do? Maybe you want to take some of these practical things and say the next time that tornado comes, I'm going to quote the verse that whatsoever time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Maybe there's another thing that you know every time I get to, I have to stand before class and I'm going to speak to someone and I just know I'm going to die. I don't know why I'm going to die, but I'm convinced that I'm going to die. Can you trust in God? Can you look at him? The next time the mailman comes and you hate the mailman because he only brings you bad news and you got that bill and you open it up and say, Lord, how can I do this? I can't manage this. Instead of giving into fear and throwing things up and, and burning the house down, why not say, Lord, I'm going to give you this bill. You tell me what to do and I'll do it, but I'm going to trust in you. You knew my need before I even knew it. I could... Again, you know the things that you face. You know the areas you struggle. What can you do in your situations to decide before you get there, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to handle it when that spirit of fear starts to enter my life. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.